Today, a subject that really makes my blood boil. The concept of the accredited investor. Do you think that poor people are dumber than rich people? Well, the SEC does. Let's find out why. Welcome to the podcast where entrepreneurs go to learn about alternative retirement investing strategies and structures and all things related to planning a successful, prosperous retirement. If you're self-employed, if you're a gig worker or solopreneur, you've come to the right place to learn how to retire wealthier, retire sooner, and retire happier. This is the Rogue Retirement Lounge. So what exactly is an accredited investor? Are you one? Do you know what one even is? So if you look into a lot of investment deals, uh, for instance, uh, apartment syndications and real estate deals, you'll see the accredited investor requirement in a lot of them. And this isn't just for apartment syndications. This is for anything that's not registered as an SEC or Securities and Exchange Commission security. So if whatever the investment is isn't registered, accredited investor status is the government's way of ensuring that the people putting their money in are sophisticated and wealthy. These investments can be anything from, you know, venture capital stuff, hedge funds, private equity, private placements, and it also includes many real estate syndications. It can also include uh, oil wells and land deals like you see on commercials on CNBC. Pretty much any investment opportunity that you see advertised is going to be for accredited investors only. So what are the criteria? Well, in very basic terms for people, there are two basic categories. It, one is your income. So if you are trying to qualify based on your income, you need to have a $200,000 income or more for the past two years. Or if you're married filing jointly, it's got to be 300000 if you are trying to prove yourself accredited based on your net worth, then you have to have a net worth over a million. And if you're married, that can be a joint net worth of over a million. But that net worth excludes the value of your primary residence. So that sucks. It didn't used to exclude your home until Dodd-Frank passed in uh, 2010. And don't get me started about that. I mean, say, say you had a $2 million house with a million dollars in equity and a $750,000 IRA, you'd qualify previously because of your home equity. But now you could have a paid off $10 million house, but if you only have a measly $750,000 in your IRAs and savings, you're not worthy of investing in some of the most promising and potentially profitable investments out there. But if you did qualify with uh, your house being part of the equation before Dodd-Frank, I believe you're grandfathered in. So... You would know that by now since it's 11 years later. Either way, Senator Christopher Dodd and Congressman Barney Frank well, and the SEC think that if you are middle class, you are too dumb to make your own investment decisions. And that's why I say that this the whole concept of the accredited investor makes my blood boil. Also, um, just FYI, the accredited investor label is not just limited to individuals. It can be institutions like banks and large corporations. Um, for them, generally, it, it seems like the, the minimum is like $5 million of assets, but we're, we don't need to get into there. There's a ton of different criteria for businesses and corporations. But if you are self-employed and your business is an LLC and that business has assets of $5 bucks. 
it could be considered an accredited investor and you could invest in those accredited only opportunities through that LLC. So now in 2020, the SEC broadened the criteria for accreditation by allowing investors to qualify based on what they called, quote, defined measures of professional knowledge, experience, or certifications. So that might be SEC and state registered investment advisors or people who hold the Series 7, Series 65, and Series 82 licenses. But it turns out getting these licenses is no small task, so it's not really an easy backdoor into accredited status. I know I, because I looked into it, so that's unfortunate. Now, how do you prove that you're accredited? The SEC does not have an official process where you become accredited. So it's not like getting your TSA pre-check number or a passport. You can't get an accredited investor card or credentials. So basically, if a company is issuing some sort of unregistered security, it's up to them to do the due diligence on you to make their own determination if you meet the standards. If they're using net worth, they're probably going to require you to provide brokerage statements and whatnot. Uh, if real estate is a big part, like investment real estate is a big part of your net worth, you'll need to give them kind of your assets and liabilities, balance sheets and stuff like that. Uh, if you're using your income, then you're probably going to have to provide the last two years of W-2s or your tax returns so that they will have what they need to prove that you meet the income requirements. Now, one thing that I've talked about with friends is could you fake it? And I would never, ever advocate doing that just because of the dishonesty of it. But yeah, it would probably be super easy. If you're familiar with Fiverr, I mean, I've used Fiverr and there are kids in Bangladesh who are kick-ass at Photoshop where you could send them some brokerage statements and they could, you know, screenshots and they could doctor them up and make you look like a rich person for five bucks. I'm not advocating that, but it probably wouldn't be hard. Um, Fiverr is F-I-V-E-R-R, Fiverr.com. So anyway, one time I was talking to a buddy of mine about my syndications that I got involved with and that I have invested in, and he was surprised that I was accredited because he knows that I'm not worth a whole lot of money. Um, and I've been very fortunate to get into some syndications that did allow a certain number of what might be called sophisticated investors. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, but I love real estate syndications just because they are 100% passive. You don't have to do, once you've given them your money, you're done. All you have to do is wait for the money to come in. And it comes in in quarterly distributions. And some uh, syndications that I've seen and some that I'm involved with have very low investment requirements. I'm in two that only required a $25,000 minimum uh, buy-in, which uh, some are much higher. Uh, I was recently emailed one uh, about one that I would love to be involved in. And it's a couple apartment complexes located very close to each other somewhere in Florida. But that one was a $100,000 minimum, and I don't have $100,000 liquid uh, right now. Um, or probably, I don't know if I will for quite a while. So I had to, uh, pass on that one, but real quick. So let's talk about syndications and the sec now, because a little knowledge might help you to get into some great opportunities that you might have otherwise thought you would have been ineligible for if you're not accredited. So, so the SEC, it sees commercial real estate syndications as actual securities and any security has to be registered with the SEC 
unless the company offering that security meets some qualifications so that they can be exempted. So they have this thing called Regulation D, and I'm not going to get too deep in the weeds, but that Regulation D outlines the qualifications for exemptions, and small syndicators like the ones I'm invested with are indeed exempt. But they have to file using certain structures, and there's two basic structures. There's uh, SEC Rule 506B and SEC Rule 506C, and I promise I'll make this quick. So if it's an SEC 506C structure, it's for accredited investors only. I don't know if you've heard of CrowdStreet, but CrowdStreet is a crowdfunding site for big real estate projects. And it's it's actually super cool because they essentially, if someone's putting together a big real estate deal, they just go to CrowdStreet, they give them all the information, and CrowdStreet has a ton of subscribers who are ready and waiting to give these syndicators money. And for the last four years or so, maybe, I've been looking at their offerings and doing the due diligence and watching the webcasts. But unfortunately, they're all 506, or at least everyone that I've seen, they're all 506C offerings. And so they're only allowing accredited investors. And full disclosure, I wanted to give them their money, but full disclosure, I am not an accredited investor. I am totally middle class. It's going to be a while before I get there. So I'm not bitter, but it was kind of sucked looking at these cool investment opportunities and not being able to participate. It was kind of like, you know, going to the dance and not being cool enough to dance with the, the hot chicks. So anyway, 506B structures allow for unlimited accredited investors and up to 35 non-accredited investors who just have to meet what they call sophistication requirements. So what is that? Well, basically the SEC defines a sophisticated investor as one who has, quote, sufficient knowledge and experience in financial and business matters to make them capable of evaluating the merits and risks of the prospective investment. Okay, anyway, so 506B projects can't advertise, and the sponsors of the investment have to have a substantive pre-existing relationship with the investors. So when I started out about four years ago, three or four years ago, and I knew that I was going to get myself out of the stock market and I wanted to get into real estate investing, I started listening to Bigger Pockets. And on the Bigger Pockets podcast, they have oftentimes syndicators, successful syndicators on there. So what I would do is at the end of every podcast, they would give out the contact information. And so I would just send them an email and I would say, hey, I want to be your friend. Let's stay in touch. So for the next six months, I'll reach out occasionally. And after that, I want to be on your mailing list so that I can be informed when you've got a deal in the works. So in the process, I met some really great people, some of which I invested with and some I haven't. But I got involved in a really cool uh, apartment complex in, of all places, Lexington, Kentucky. Um, another one in Colorado Springs that's done great. And um, even a storage unit in Dayton, Ohio, and a couple other ones. But long and the short of it is, that's how I found these excellent opportunities where I didn't need to be an accredited investor. So if you're interested in doing that, I would recommend doing the same thing. Start listening to the Bigger Pockets podcast. And when they're interviewing syndicators, you know, just reach out to them, you know, send them an email, introduce yourself, tell them you want to be their friend, set up a call and just, you know, do a basic exploratory call. And then, you know, if you email each other for a couple of times for six months, you have that pre-existing relationship, which then makes you qualified 
fully legally SEC qualified to invest on their next uh, 506B syndication. So that's how you can get around this whole accredited investor thing. Oh, and all the syndication guys, well, at least the ones that I've talked to, are totally cool with self-directed IRAs. So if you have your money in a self-directed or checkbook IRA, it's a snap and it won't surprise them. Uh, all, all the syndications I'm in, I invested through my solo 401k and I love it. I mean, the distributions go right back into my 401k account. They're growing tax free. Um, and it's just a beautiful thing. So there you have it. That's the basic rundown of the whole accredited investor thing. Uh, you know, the whole concept of the accredited investor shouldn't piss me off, but it just does your ability to spend your money should not be based on how much money you have. The government should not be able to set a threshold and say, oh, because you're not a millionaire, you can't make certain investments. Just fundamentally, I find that just completely infuriating. So anyway, I hope you learned a thing or two today. If you did, please do me a favor and subscribe to this little podcast. Um, that's it for today. I will talk to you later. Nothing in this podcast is meant to be financial, legal, or tax advice. Though there's some kick-ass information here, it's for informational purposes only. Take control of your retirement planning, but get professional counsel if you need tax, legal, or financial advice. For more content like this, join my mailing list at rogueretirementlounge.com. And if you have questions about retirement investing, entrepreneurship, business, or anything else, my email address is matt at rogueretirementlounge.com. 